0: Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. So this message, I'm actually a little bit behind on getting this one up. This is actually from May 12th, Mother's Day. It is not a Mother's Day message, though. In this message, we're actually going to be looking at one of the most famous psalms, and really one of my favorite psalms when it comes to contemplation and experiencing god in my own personal walk this psalm psalm 23 has been very helpful in my journey over the years so this is uh, a little bit more of a contemplative uh message but i i think you'll you'll find it very helpful so let's go ahead and head to north shore vineyard church in downtown covington thanks for listening Well this morning, the, the passage that we're going to be looking at actually comes to us from the lectionary, which is just a passage, a, a collection of scriptures that churches of all different sorts use around the world that follows the church calendar. And as I said last week, even though Easter is a, a particular day in the calendar, in the church calendar, it's also a season. And this may seem like an odd passage to look at in the midst of Easter because it is the passage that was read during worship this morning, Psalm 23. This is probably the most well-known psalm precisely because it is used in funerals so much. I started off this week on Monday. I did two funerals back-to-back, one here in Covington and one over in Ponchatoula. And this, this passage was a part of both of them. Because it is one of those passages that reminds us that God is a shepherd. It doesn't say that being a person of moral integrity or having right beliefs or just doing good with your life is going to exempt you from trials and suffering and pain. But it says that you will have a shepherd Leading you and guiding you through it. Not just through the green pastures and the still waters. But through times where you're facing enemies. Times where you experience betrayal. Relational conflict. And even walking through the valley of the shadow of death itself. Now one of the reasons I believe this is part of the, the, the liturgies that, that come to us from the lectionary for Easter is that when we read Psalm 23 on this side of the cross, (laughs) we read it with the knowledge that Jesus is the good shepherd. I want to read a passage this morning from... Well, I was going to read it. Oh, it printed it on this side. Okay. From John chapter 10, Jesus... They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, "'Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture.'" The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus can shepherd us through the valley of even the shadow of death because he's already been there. Jesus has already tasted death on our behalf. And so even when you go through the most darkest of times, whether it's your own mortality or the grief of losing someone dear to you, you can find this good shepherd, this Jesus who is acquainted with our sorrows and our weaknesses because he's faced the same weaknesses that we faced has gone before us and he can shepherd us through. It's interesting, there's a what Jesus says in here, there's a, a kind of a famous line that a lot of people could, could recite. You know, the the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have to tell you, most of my Christian journey, when I have heard this, this little verse here from John 10, it has always been referring to the devil. And it occurred to me as I was reading this this weekend, if you read it in context, Jesus is, isn't referring to the red guy with horns and a pitchfork and a a cape, (laughs) he's actually talking to the Pharisees. There is a type of religion that doesn't bring you to life. There's a type of religion, even if it's called Christian, that actually keeps you from living life to the fullest. There's actually a type of religion that will bring destruction in your life, that will keep you from being connected to your heart and to other people and and an awareness of God. And Jesus is indicting the Pharisees here because he's like, what you guys are doing, no matter how devout you're doing it, it's actually making it worse for people than actually helping them realize life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it, To the fullest. How do you find that life? Well, you find it by listening to the shepherd's voice. I love what Jesus says here. My sheep know my voice. You know, when I look back over the last 26 years that I've been a Christian, I can tell you there have been a number of crucial times in my life where I didn't know where to go I didn't know what was going on things were chaotic and looking like they were falling apart and this was from some of the earliest days of Christianity and it seems to be a reoccurring theme in my life <laughs> but in the midst of the chaos I would hear the voice of the good shepherd in the midst of of confusion and trials, in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of my own grief, my own questions, if I could get into a place of quiet, I would discern the voice of the Good Shepherd. Now, it doesn't sound like, Hey, I'm Jesus, Uh, you need to do this. (laughs) I've heard some people say they've heard an audible voice before. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but, but I can tell you when I get into a time of crisis or, or something where I'm just stressing out about which way should I go, God, this thing makes so much sense over here in certain things, and this thing over here not so much, where am I supposed to go, Lord? I want to do the right thing. If I can get to a place of calm and quiet and begin to pay attention, I will notice the voice of God. Because it sounds like peace. And sometimes that peace doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, the the Apostle Paul talks about that. God's going to, if you bring your request before God, he's going to give you a a peace that's that's greater than anything you can understand. In other words, sometimes God's peace comes in a way where it doesn't make sense for us. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this thing over here. It doesn't make any sense to me, God, but I feel your peace. Go with that. That's better than going with this thing's going to make me a whole lot of money and, and accolades and all that without the peace of God. It's better to wait for the peace of God. I, I've shared this story before, you know, when, uh, when Dina and I were, were just brand new Christians, you know, brand new in marriage. I mean, we'd only been married probably about nine months, and the church we were going to just got like crazy, and i can't even go into the stories you wouldn't believe me i mean it it's like one of these these things you'd see on netflix about cults and stuff it just got really weird really quick and you know the pastor's office became the holy of holies and you had to be a certain person to go in there and and yeah, i mean just just weird stuff i won't even get into it it's just it's it's just nuts but we were new christians and this was like our first church so you know and I'm always up to try anything five times, you know, and so I was just, uh, <laughs> it's been the motto of my life. Uh, we didn't know any better initially, and about a week into this this big revival that they were having that that ended up with some dude in a sane asylum by the end of the week and and just all kinds of just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Even though I was up for crazy, and even though I believed that God could do stuff in a crazy way, I was standing outside the church one night with Dina. Dina had only been a Christian for about a year and a half at this point. I was only about three or four years in. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I don't sense the love of God in this. And that's a big red flag. Here I was a brand new Christian. And so was she. We both look, and, and it wasn't like some lightning bolt from heaven, like, thus saith the Lord. But we both knew we heard God in that moment. And we, over the next couple of months, we started transitioning out of there. It didn't make sense because these were all the people we looked up to. These were our pastors. This was our church. This was, And yet, in spite of all the abusive, controlling, manipulative, cultish-looking religion that we were a part of, we heard the, God, the voice of God in it, the voice of the shepherd in it. Ash Wednesday, 2009. We're, me and Dina are driving from Texas over to Louisiana, and I had been bringing up, I'd like to plant a church at some point. Dina, I'd been bringing that up for about six years, and she kept saying, you married the wrong woman. I don't want to be a pastor's wife should have listened to her. Uh, no. <laughs> and we're driving back from Texas, Ash Wednesday, 2009, and I just, I really, the kids are asleep in the back seat, and I said, Dina, I know I haven't brought this up in a while, but I'm still feeling that church planning thing. And I was ready for the typical answer that, that I would get once a year when I brought it up. And right there, she said yes. I think that's what God's doing. We heard the voice of God in that. Which, that was an important thing, because there have been a couple of times along the way as a pastor where it's like, I don't know if we want to do this anymore. Or, are, we, are we sure we, we, we did this? You know, Are you sure this is the right thing? But we could go back to the time where we heard God. We go back to a point where we sensed this was what was God was doing. And I thank God that I didn't try to force the issue seven years before when I was feeling it and trying to squeeze Dina into something where she hadn't discerned the voice of God in that. I'm glad we waited until we got to a place where we felt at peace. You can trust the shepherd's voice in your life. But look, as with anything... You only hear the voice of God when you start learning how to hear the voice of God. It's not just a given. You know what I what I like about Psalm 23 is not that it's it's just it's it's a great psalm. But I think one thing we miss when it comes to the book of Psalms is this was song lyrics, people. (laughs) David wasn't preparing to teach a Bible study, he wasn't writing out some propositions of what you're supposed to do as a follower of God. I'm fairly confident as a songwriter myself, I know how David must have come up with this song. You know, we sang one of my songs during worship this morning, Not Be Moved. That song, it's got a lot, I, I wasn't planning, I didn't know there was going to be a lot of flooding going on today, I just picked it earlier this week, but I wrote that song after Katrina. As I was wrestling with God and tragedy and the loss of people in my neighborhood, and, you know, it was a horrible thing. And when I finally came into the the auditorium, auditorium of the church one day, you know, about three months in and started being honest with how I felt, that's the song that came out. David, we know, was a shepherd. And here's how I think David wrote this song. I think David had been working all day. You know you can encounter God in your job? (laughs) Like, no, I can encounter Satan in my job. I can't encounter God. You can encounter God in your job. Oftentimes, God comes to us disguised, as, uh, as, as the saying goes, as our ordinary life. David's been out there taking care of sheep all day. He's been protecting them from wolves and predators. He's been making sure that they are, are led to pasture where they can eat, that they have water to drink, that the ones that, that have wounds, that he's put ointment on them and, and bandaged them up. And I can imagine at the end of the afternoon, you know, it's probably four or five o'clock, it's it's beginning to be dusk. He's got all the sheep in a pen for the evening. And he's just taking a break. Maybe it's after dinner. He pulls out the old lute. And he just begins to reflect over his life. And reflect over his day. And reflect over God. And as he thinks about everything that's going on, as he thinks about the day, the light bulb comes on. he says, you know, God, the way that I take care of these sheep, the way that I make sure they get what they need to eat and drink and they're protected, you do that for me. You're my shepherd, Lord. See, the, the Psalms hit you in a very different sort of way. It's figurative language. It's poetic. You know, oftentimes we think of truth as being simply propositional statements. But the greatest truths come to us in figurative language in poetic language. I mean, isn't it wild that this ancient psalm about a shepherd, we live in a culture, does anybody know any shepherds? I don't even know, even know if that's a thing in Louisiana. You know, we are, we are thousands of years removed from when this was written, and yet we can still find it a place of comfort. We can still latch on to the metaphors. But here's something that we miss about the psalms, and I can tell you, as a songwriter, to write a song means engaging with truth. It means reflection. It means contemplation. It means paying attention to what's going on outside and what's going on inside. When I wrote that song, Not Be Moved, I'm looking at what's going on outside. Yeah, everybody was looking at it in Louisiana we we're seeing it on TV every day. The, the tragedies at the Superdome, the people who had died, the people who had lost their homes. It was palpable. I was looking at all that out there, but I was also paying attention to the spirit within me and reflecting Over my own life. And those two things came together. And when I finally got some words together, that's what came out. I didn't just sit down in five minutes and say, I'm going to write a song about this tragedy. No, it it came out of I was crying (laughs) pretty good when the song came out. I wasn't trying to write a song. I was just talking to God with music. I have a feeling that's probably what's going on with David here. But as much as we appreciate these words of David, I think we ought to try to engage a little bit in how David arrived at the words. (laughs) You want to learn to hear the voice of the shepherd? It takes learning how to reflect and get quiet. And look, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. I mean, if, you, if you're ever standing in line at the store, it's a fun thing to do. Just look around and see how long it going to take before that person who just got in line is going to pick up their phone. You're sitting in a restaurant. When somebody sits down, how long is it going to take for them to pick up the phone? And start looking at it. We... we are so afraid of any moments that aren't filled up with some distraction that we are losing our ability for contemplation. You know, one of the, the great philosophers uh, from Canada many years ago, Marshall McLuhan, who specialized in, 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 in focusing on media, media, he said, the medium is the message. Your interaction with technology shapes you in much more profound ways than any message embedded within it. We, we tend to think that the internet's not good or bad. It's just the content. He said, the content doesn't even matter. When you are shaped by this thing, Six hours, seven hours a day. It's, it's teaching you how to be perpetually distracted and not pay attention to what's going on on the inside. And look, I'm not anti-technology. I love this thing. I don't know where I'd be. I'm codependent. But we got to realize the world we're living in is not going to get less distracted. We've got to put an emphasis on it. On taking time to get quiet, to reflect over our lives, to learn how to pay attention to the voice of God. I like what um, Henry Nowen writes about Psalm 23. He says, Oh, if we could sit for just one half hour a day doing nothing except taking a simple word or phrase from the Bible and holding it in our heart and mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say it three times. Let's, let's try this real quick. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to say this. And as I say, the Lord is my shepherd, just get quiet and breathe in. Slow breath. When I say, I shall not want, just begin to breathe out slowly. We'll do that three times. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord. Is my shepherd. I shall not want. Henry now says, say it three times. We know it's not true because we want many things. And that's exactly why we're so nervous. But if we keep saying the truth, the real truth, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want and let that truth descend from our minds and to our hearts. Gradually, those words will be written on the walls of our inner holy place. And that becomes the space in which we can receive our colleagues and our work, our family and our friends and the people we will meet During the day. I've been reading the last couple of months about a a practice that comes from the Eastern Orthodox Church called hesychasm. It's a weird word, but it is basically kind of like what Henry Nouwen is getting at moving from your mind that is always analyzing things into encountering God in your heart. And this came about in the fourth century with the desert father's who left the cities and, and went out into the desert to experience God. And, and, and from the Desert Fathers, we get what is called the Jesus Prayer, which is simply this. It's, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or, have mercy on me, a sinner. And hesychasm is oftentimes you'll take prayer beads and you, you just take your, your fingers you grab one bead or not, and what we just did there where you breathe in, you you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then as you breathe out, you say, have mercy on me. And then you go to the next night and the next night. And you just keep praying this simple prayer. And I found I've been praying that a lot lately. Like when I'm getting ready to go bed, to bed at night, when I'm laying in bed before I drift off to sleep, I find myself reciting this simple prayer. When I get up in the morning, I, I say it. When I'm feeling anxious, I say it and it's an interesting thing that happens because it's not like there's a whole lot of theological concepts in here, but it puts you in a place of realizing that you need the mercy of God and that it's available. I think that's what this opening line of Psalm 23 does. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a great little verse to keep praying throughout our day. So that we, because to call God the shepherd is to say that I'm a sheep. And look, I know, I know being a sheep ain't a cool thing in this culture right now. People post articles and they call people sheeple. Conspiracy articles. Wake up, sheeple. Sheep are not the, the, you know, if you're choosing a mascot for your your school, you don't want to choose sheep, you know, because sheep are not terribly smart. They don't have defense mechanisms except being in a herd, which is not very flattering. But just like the Jesus prayer, Lord, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want to call God shepherd is to say I'm a sheep. Lord, I am saying that that I need your protection. You know, sheep need a shepherd. (laughs) It's saying, God, I know you've got a bigger view of my life than what I can see. And everything I see in front of my face is not reality. There's a much bigger picture. Lord, I'm trusting you to lead me, to protect me, to sustain me. I want to close today... By doing something that we've done here, we did this a couple uh, a couple of months ago when we did the table. It's called lectio divina, and it's a, it's my favorite way of engaging with scripture lately. But basically, lectio divina is you take a passage, and Psalms work great for this, by the way, or, or parables of Jesus. And instead of trying to analyze it and you know figure out what the ancient Greek and the ancient Aramaic and you know all this stuff that we like to do in Bible studies. It's really about encountering the Spirit of God in it. It's really about paying attention to what's going on on the inside and encountering God. And as we read through a passage, you take a passage, you read through it a couple of times, you just try to pay attention. Lord, show me something in this passage. And you pay attention for any word or phrase that may stick out to you. So I want to read this today in closing as a Lectio Divina. I'm going to read it through twice. And I just want each one of us to pay attention. There may be a word or phrase that stands out to you. It may be green pastures and still waters because that's what your life feels like. Or you may really resonate with the stuff about enemies or even the valley of the shadow of death. Or there may be some other word or phrase that stands out to you. Pay attention to what stands out to you and sit with that and hold it and reflect on that this week because guess what? You are learning how to hear the voice of the shepherd by doing that. So I'm going to close by reading this twice and let's just invite the Lord to speak to us. Holy Spirit, open up our ears. Open up our awareness to sense you In this ancient song, Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters, He restores my soul. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to read this one more time and just... Again, stay attentive. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I want you to just take any word or phrase that has stood out to you in this and reflect on that phrase this week. Sit with it. God, what does that reveal about me? What does it reveal about how I've been looking at my circumstances? Lord, I just pray today that you would help us to be people who become good at hearing your voice, Lord. Lord, we wouldn't just spend so much of our life for the opinions of other people are grasping at stuff and positions and prominence. And Lord, we wouldn't just spend so much of our life perpetually distracted by everything going on in social media and cable news. Lord, help us to become good, not at triviality, but good at hearing you. Lord, help us to become good at becoming aware of your presence within us and around us, Lord. Help us to become good at discerning what you're saying and what you're doing. Lord, we need to hear from you. We need to know you, Lord. You are our good shepherd. Let that sink into our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, some of y'all need to take your moms out for lunch today, so commence to the Mother's Day celebrations. Thank y'all for coming out. It just feels so chill in here today, doesn't it? Everybody's just like so relaxed. Well, we'll see you next week. God bless.